But I want to speak to you, the people of God, the church. I want you guys to know that it's okay to be upset. I want you guys to know that it's okay to be angry. The Bible says, be angry, but sin not. Be angry, but sin not. Say that to your brother. Say that to your sister. Be angry, but sin not. See, God understands that we are full of emotions. And sometimes we use our emotions in the wrong ways. And that's understandable sometimes. But we can't allow the enemy divide us any longer. Because see, that's exactly what's going on in our world today. There is a heavy spirit of division at work in the land. And the reason why this spirit has crept up in the back doors of the community and the, the nation even is because this nation has turned its back from God. But for you, the intercessors, you, the men and women of God, you, the children of God, are called by God to pray and seek the face of the Lord on behalf of your family, on behalf of people that are not capable of doing it themselves. The Bible says, let you who are spiritually sound, you who are spiritually strong, speak and mentor those who are spiritually weak. Let me ask you, when was the last time that you you recognized somebody that was spiritual weak? They were not in a good place with God. And when was the last time you spoke to them and encouraged them to get on track, to get back to a place where it's them and the Lord? When was the last time you did that? outside of church. Amen. It's good to have people come into church, but we got to understand what the church is. The church is a hospital for the sinner, right? It is also a mobilization center. It's what God uses to mobilize us, to prepare us, to equip us, to empower us, to go into the world, to do the work that he has called us to do. And what is that work? That work is to make disciples of, to make disciples to preach the gospel to anybody who would hear the gospel and so on. So let me ask you, are you willing to do that? Are you willing to do that? If not, you can't complain about what you're seeing going on in your world. And in fact, the things that we see going on in our world should not surprise us, nor should it shock us. My prayers go out to, you know, not just the African-American community, but it goes out for all the brothers and sisters in Christ, the Filipinos, the Latinos, the, the, the Chinese, the Asians, all of them, the, even the Caucasian community, all of them, I'm praying for them. Amen. I'm praying for this nation as a whole because there is truly a spirit of division in the place. But I say to you, the people of God, do not allow that spirit of division to come within you. Amen. Because in the kingdom of God, you're not just going to see Caucasians. You're not just going to see Latinos. You're not just going to see African-Americans. You're going to see a diverse type of people because God does not see people by their ethnicity. He sees people by their character. And this is um, something that a great man of God had once said, Dr. Martin Luther King. He said that people should not be judged by the color of their skin but the content of their character. And that's what I say to you, as my brother, Dr. King said long ago, let us not look upon the color of someone's skin, but instead let's, let's judge them by the content of their character. Amen. Amen. And amen. Well, church, I pray that you are, you guys are excited because as I've said, the Lord has given me a word that is in season for you guys. It is a right now word. And the Lord spoke to spoke it to me so loudly and so clearly that I know that it's going to be a blessing for those of you that are here today. I know that some of you here, if not all of us here today, are hurt by what has been going on in our world, in our communities. But we're not going to feed into our hurt, but we're going to embrace it. Like I taught last week, you know, you can't run away. Whatever we run away from, we can't be healed from. So if we're going to run away from what is transpiring, we're not going to be able to fully be healed from that. So what we're going to do tonight is we're going to embrace the reality of what is going on today. And we're going to allow God to begin the healing process in our life. Amen. Say to your neighbor, neighbor, get ready for embracement. Amen. Get ready for embracement. Glory to God. I want you guys to do me a favor. Turn open your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. Uh, we're going to be reading from chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Again, this is the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, 
verses 38 through 42. Now, keep in mind, you, I read from the ESV version of the Holy Bible. That is the English Standard Version. However, however, the wording is different, but the general meaning is the same. So read from whatever translation you would prefer to read from. Amen. Now, once you get there, that's fine. Take your time in getting there. But once you get there, please follow along. And the word of God reads, now, as they went on their way, talking about Jesus and the disciples, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Now, keep in mind that this is the same Martha who was also the sister of Lazarus, the man whom Jesus raised from the grave. So um, now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she said, or she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listen to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Amen. So here we have in this story, Martha and Mary, two sisters, right? Martha invites Jesus into her home because see, back then they knew what Jesus was about. They knew who Jesus was. And it was such an honor and a privilege to have Jesus come into your house and eat off your dinner plates and sit at your table and and and, and, and listen and, and be a part of your household. It was such a blessing to have Jesus in your home, just as it is today to have, it is a blessing to have Jesus a part of our home. But see, it's funny because now Jesus is in a format. Jesus is in a position now where he can be wherever we invite him to be. But in the place, in the day and age where Jesus was only able to go to and fro one place at a time, people didn't want to accept him. Uh, I'm sorry, people wanted to accept him, but now people don't want to accept him. Again, I say that to you. Back then, when people can only receive Jesus one at a time, they wanted to embrace him. They wanted to accept him. But now we are living in a time and age that Jesus can be anywhere where he needs to be. But yet, we don't want to accept him. But only if we knew what privilege, what a privilege, what a blessing, what an honor it would be to have Jesus a part of our house, to have Jesus a part of our life. Only if we knew and understood what a blessing that would be. In fact, it was such a blessing that there was a one brother who was up in the tree just to get a sight of Jesus, just to jump down before Jesus. And Jesus looked up in the tree and saw him there and said, hey, brother, I'm coming to your house for dinner tonight. And he was super stoked and excited and went and prepared a place for Jesus to come and fellowship with him and his family. Amen. So here we have Martha. She invites Jesus to come to her and her sister Mary's house. And as I said earlier, this is the same Martha and Mary, the two sisters of Lazarus, the man whom Jesus had raised from the dead. One thing that stands out to me about this scripture, this story here, is that she basically said to him the same thing that she said to him again when Lazarus had died and when Jesus had finally arrived on the scene. See, Jesus got word that Lazarus had died or Lazarus was sick. But yet Jesus did not leave right away. In fact, Jesus stayed back a couple extra days. And by the time Jesus had got to where Lazarus and Mary and Martha lived, they had said that Lazarus had already died and been dead and bound in, in grave clothing for three days and, and, and sealed in the tomb. And so um, when Jesus had arrived, Martha and Mary asked the same question, Lord, why did you not come sooner? Had you been here sooner this would not have even occurred. This is when Jesus goes into that conversation that, you know, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father lest he come through me. Though a man dies, he shall live if he be within me. Amen. That was that whole conversation that took place between them. But the thing that sticks out to me is the fact that she said it here before Lazarus had died. And then she says it again later when Lazarus Dies. She says, Lord, did you not care? Lord, do you not care? 
what has taken place? Do you not care that my 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 um, sister is just sitting here listening to you and entertaining you while I'm doing all the hard labor? Do you not care, Lord? Do we ever find ourselves asking God that question? Do we ever find ourselves asking God that question? Father, why is this going on in my life today? Why is this going on in my community? Why is this going on in my world? Why is this going on at all? Lord, do you not care? The answer to that question is yes, God does care very much so. In fact, God cares so much that he's ready to give you a word that's going to speak to you regarding what is in the now. Amen. Martha, like much of us today, was distracted by many things she perceived to be important. See, Martha's focus was the dinner. Martha's focus was the preparation for the dinner. She perceived the dinner to be the most important aspect of her inviting Jesus into her home. And just like us today, there are a lot of things that are going on in our life. There's a lot of things that's going on in our job. There's a lot of things going on in our households and, 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 and nation and so on. And we perceive those things to be important. But let me ask you, is it important to God? What is important to us may not be as important to God. Amen. What is, in, what is important to you may not be as important to God. For example, you already got a vehicle that works and functions well, but yet you feel that it's more important for you to upgrade your vehicle to the latest model, to the latest year, and so on. But God doesn't see that as important because he already blessed you with the vehicle that works, that runs, that gets you from point A to point B. So why does God seem it necessary to bless you with something that you really do not need? So again, we come, we become distracted by the many things that we perceive to be important. But again, what is important to us may not be that important to God. Amen. What we perceive to be important can potentially produce much anxiety and stress in our life, just like it did Martha. See, Martha, she thought that the dinner had to be prepared, that the dinner was the most important thing, not just to her, but to Jesus. But then she comes to find out that Jesus wasn't tripping over the dinner. He just wanted them to listen to what he had to say. See, we wonder why we got so we get so much anxiety. We wonder why we get so anxious, why we get so burnt out, why we get so stressed out. Well, could it be because we are taking so much on ourselves that we shouldn't even allow to come on the inside of us? We're grabbing way too much and putting too much on in, a, uh, in the storage place of our life that we really shouldn't uh, allow to come into the storage place of our life. So again, <clears throat> we must be careful on what we perceive to be important in our life. Because if everything, if 95% of what you have in your life you perceive to be important, you are going to get anxiety. You're going to get stressed out because it's going to be way too much for you to handle. And one thing that I realize now is that what the things that we perceive important, we also perceive that we have to deal with it on our own. But in fact, I tell you that anything that is truly important and valuable should be dealt with God. God should be a part of that that process. God should be a part of that 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 process. Amen. <clears throat> Excuse me. God should be a part of that process. Don't trip, y'all. Yes, I'm drinking Kool-Aid jammers. <laughs> it's not Capri Sun. Uh, glory to God. Not going to have a repeat of last week. Amen. Amen. But anyways, so what we perceive to be important, what we perceive to be important can initially cause anxiety. Can all, it, it can cause stress, right? And the reason why that is, is because there's one of two things. One, we shouldn't even be dealing with it in the first place. Or two, it's too big for us to carry. It's too heavy for us to carry on our own. We need God to be there with us to help us with that load. Say to your neighbor, neighbor, you need God to help you with your load. You need God to help you carry your load. Amen. You don't have to carry that cross by yourself. Jesus is offering you the opportunity to carry the cross with him. He wants to come alongside of you and help you to carry, endure that cross that you have to carry. It's not meant for you to do it alone. Amen. 
Martha was so caught up in serving that she failed to listen to what Jesus had to say. See, that's exactly what's wrong with our world today. We're not listening what Jesus is saying. We're not listening to what the word of the Lord is saying. In fact, we're just jumping to conclusions. Instead of taking a moment to step back and pray and seek the Lord about things, we make our own decisions and distinctions and we jump the gun, right? We jump the gun too quickly and we take on all of this stuff on us that should not be taken in the first place. And what happens is as a result of taking ungodly things and as a result of taking things that we should not be grabbing a hold of is that it causes all types of raw emotions. It's, it causes anger, which can initially pre, uh, uh, can initially transition into hatred, which can then initially uh, transition into murder or some other ungodly action. Or it can turn into depression, right? To the point where you want to kill yourself and to the point where you have no joy, where you have no hope, and so on. So we get caught up in the things of life, but we don't take the time to stop and listen to what God has to say. It was funny. I was letting on a conversation. I told you many conversations. One of the conversations that I overheard uh, this past week, um, there were two individuals. One individual was expressing their frustrations and their concerns with what was going on in the world. And uh, one thing or one thing led to another. And there was a conversation about, you know, um, about, you know, maybe um, just kind of like taking a brief intermission from church. And I remember that person said, nah, we need church more now than ever. To me, that was that Martha moment, that Martha and Mary moment. Because see, the world, they don't want to listen. That's the problem we're in now. The world doesn't want to listen. The world doesn't want to listen to what God has to say. And as a result of that, we have what we're seeing now. We have division. We have wars and rumors of wars. We have household divided against household, brother against brother, sister against sister, and so on. This is why we're going through what we're going through now, because nobody wants to listen to what God has to say. That's where the problem comes in. When we reject God and when we refuse not to listen to what God has to say, we're rebuking godly counsel. And not only are we rebuking godly counsel, we're rebuking wisdom because God is the source of all wisdom. So it doesn't it doesn't surprise me that the world is acting foolish when they themselves have rebuked the true source of wisdom. But see, Martha, she was so caught up in her service that she failed to listen to what Jesus had to say. Is that you? Are you so caught up in your job? Are you so caught up in your volunteering? Are you so caught up in what you perceive to be important to the point where you are robbing yourself of the opportunity to hear what Jesus has to say? Amen. When Martha seen Mary doing something other than what she was doing, she became offended to the point she boldly said something to the Lord, instructing him to get her to help with the dinner. See, Martha, she sees Jesus and Mary at the, at the, uh, in the living room, just having conversation. But a key part of this conversation was Jesus talking to Mary and Mary just listening at the feet of Jesus. So Martha, I could just picture Martha slamming the towel down on the table, going out into the living room saying, Jesus, Lord, I've had it. I've been in this kitchen peeling these potatoes. I've been in this kitchen <clears throat> baking, the, uh, um, baking the lamb. I've been in this kitchen um, getting all the vegetables uh, plucked and prepared and ready for you. And this woman ain't do nothing. She's not helping me with the dinner. And this is just as much as her invitation that was extended to you than the one that I gave you. So Lord, please tell her to help me. And Jesus' response was something out of the ordinary. See, a lot of people would have perceived Jesus to say, oh, yeah, Mary, you got to go help your sister Martha. But no, Jesus said, no, you know what? I'll tell you, Mary. Oh, I'm sorry, I'll tell you, Martha. Your sister, she, she's she got the good portion. She's got the good portion because, see, she listened. But you're so caught up in the noise of what you're doing that you don't even listen. And that's why you're anxious. That's why you're stressed out. And that's why you're frustrated and angry. Not that your sister didn't help you, 
but that you've been so caught up in the noise of what you've been doing that you never took the opportunity to listen to what I had to say. Amen. <clears throat> Excuse me. Have you ever, <clears throat> have you ever gotten to a place where you got so frustrated? You got so frustrated by what somebody else was doing. And yet you go to God to find out from God that what they were doing was of God all along. See, everybody has an opinion. Say to your neighbor, neighbor, you have an opinion. Everybody has an opinion. But the, the problem with opinions is that we treat opinions as though they are facts. I say that again. We treat opinions as though they are facts. Now, I'm going to say this one and uh, one time only, right? And I'm going to say this as loud and clearly as I can. And with all love and respect, I say this to you. Opinions are not facts. They are just that. Opinions. You have the right to your own voice. You have the right to your own opinion. But don't treat your opinions as though they are factual because they're not always factual. They are just your belief, just your opinion. So we got to get into a place where we stop treating our opinions as though they are facts. Amen. And this has happened in the church. This has happened in the community in the midst of God's people. You'll read a part of scripture and you will develop an opinion and act as though it is the word of God. You will act as though it was a revelation that was given to you by God. But in reality, it wasn't. It's just your opinion. My God. Can we, church, can we just get back to the place where we stick to the word of God? Can we just get back to the place where we both agree to disagree? Can we get back to the place where we're just in the word of God and doing what the word of God says and teach what the word of God says and stop adding all of this stuff to it? My God, we got, oh my God, we, 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 we try to think, we think that when somebody adds something to the word of God that is so profound, but I'm here to tell you that it's not always profound because the word of God in itself is profound. I don't have to add anything to it because the word of the Lord is living and active and it is already in itself profound in every way imaginable. My God, my God, church, can we just get back to the basics? Can we just get back to what the word says? Amen. So let's stop treating opinions as though they are facts and oracles of God. Amen. Amen. So she, have you ever gotten frustrated to the point where you went to Jesus and you said, Lord, I don't understand why I'm doing all this stuff, but yet they're doing nothing. And the Lord said, well, you know, I was talking to them, but yet you were just so caught up in the noise of what was around you that you didn't even take the time to listen to what I had to say. Let that soak in for a minute. Amen. Amen. So Jesus here highlights the most important thing that we can do as his people and as his children. And that's to listen. I would go as far to say is that in order for you to effectively live your life, and in order for you to uh, in order for you to be effective and impactful in your community and in your service to God, you have to first listen. The Bible says to be first to listen, quick to listen, but slow to speak. So with that being said, why is it that when God tells us to be quick to listen and slow to speak, we're all quick to speak and slow to listen? I say that again. Why are we quick to speak and slow to listen? But when in reality, God said we're slow to speak and quick to listen. That's what's the that's what's wrong with the that's the problem within the church. That's the problem within the world today. There is not enough listening. There's not enough listening. My message title today is "Drown Out the Noise." Drown out the noise. Drown out the noise. Say that to your neighbor. Neighbor, drown out the noise. See, that's exactly what's going on in our world today. There's a lot of noise, right? It's not just with the death of George Floyd. It's with our it's with our politics. It's within our churches. It's within the ministries. It's within your local communities. There's some type of noise that is going on in the world. 
And the noise that goes on in the world, if we feed into it and allow it to feed into us, it will develop all kinds of ungodly things. Anger, resentment, jealousy, um, fear, um, anxiousness. All of those things are an example of what the noise that this world produces or offers to us. If we allow it to, this is what this is what it will produce in our life. All these things in which I just mentioned to you are ungodly and the fruits that they bear are ungodliness and the fruits that they bear will weigh our souls down to the point of the, to the point where we can't where we feel suffocated to the point where we feel drowned to the point where we feel overwhelmed to the point where we feel that God is not with us and this is one of the greatest tactics this is one of the greatest weapons that the enemy has in his arsenal it's to create a bunch of noise so as to confuse us to distract us and to hinder us from getting closer unto God. See, it's so easy to get caught up in the distractions. It's so easy to get caught up in the noise of the world. Gossip, that's a part of the noise of the world. It's so easy to get caught up in that, right? It's so easy to get caught up in hearing other people complain, especially when they live in our own house or a part of our own family. It's so easy to hear about the negativity that the media, the news stream is putting out on Facebook, that's putting out on Twitter, that's putting out on Instagram, that is putting out on all social media websites, including our television sets. So easy in the time and day that we live in to get caught up in the noise of the world. So how do I drown out the noise? Well, I'm glad you asked. If you do me a favor, turn open to the book of Ecclesiastes. I believe that is in the Old Testament. Yes, it is. Uh, turn open your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 7, verse 21 through 22. Again, that's the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 7, verses 21 through 22. Take your time in getting there, but once you get there, follow along. I'm going to go ahead and read. The Word of God says, um, Your heart knows that many times... You yourself have cursed others. I'm going to say that again. Uh, my bad. I forgot verse 21. My bad. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verses 21 through 22. Do not take to heart all the things that people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. Your, hearts know, or your heart knows that many times you yourself have cursed others. Amen. So do not take to heart the things that people say to you. Do not take to heart the things that you see and hear going on in the world. Do not take to heart. Do not be easily offended. Because in one way or another, just as people have cursed you, you have cursed others. See, one thing that amazes me is that racism is very alive and active very alive and well in our communities today. It's sad to say, but it's true. But see, racism isn't just on a one-way street. Racism started within a one, uh, you know, at one point in time in history. And we've had great civil rights leaders that stood up and fought the good fight and even was willing to lay down their own lives so that we could have equality racially, right? Um, such as Dr. Martin Luther King, right? Um, glory to God. They fought for what was right and stood a good, uh, they stood against what was wrong, but they fought for what was right. But see, one thing that we got to understand is that we can't repay racism and discrimination with racism and discrimination. And that's exactly what's going on in our communities today. Nowadays, you just don't have <clears throat> race, racist uh, Caucasian people. You also have racist African-Americans. You also have racist uh, Latinos. You have racist, uh, you know, Chinese and Fili uh, Filipino people and etc. So racism is no longer just integrated into white folks, but now it's integrated in a variety of different races, um, uh, different races, right? But we got to understand this. That we have to put an end to racism from every culture, from every, um, every, every ethnicity, right? The Bible says that the body of Christ has, each member of the body of Christ has a need for one another. The hand cannot say to the foot, I have no need of you. The ear can't say to the mouth, I have no need of you. So I say to you that as it is with the members of the body, 
so it is with the members of the body of Christ. We cannot say to our African-American brother, we can't see, say to our Caucasian sister, we can't say to our Latino uh, brother that we have no need of them. Amen. Because again, God does not see us by ethnicity. He sees us by our character, by the content of our character. So I'm going to ask you, my, I'm going to ask you this. Hyped up for what? Hyped up for what? Hyped up for what? Because that's all racism is. Racism is hype. Right? It, it's nothing but hype. Amen. We feed into it. And by feeding into it, we allow it to feed into us. How do I feed into racism? I feed into racism by acting racist. Even if I make a joke that's racist, I'm feeding into the problem. See, I, 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 back in the day, I used to listen to a lot of comedians, both Caucasian, African-American, Latino even. And one thing that has always stood out to me in some of those jokes, if not all of their jokes, there was some type of or form of racism. Rather, if that racism was against a Caucasian group, if that racism was against African-American group, if that racism was against a Latino group, and so on. But we got to understand that by feeding into those jokes, even though we may think they're funny in our flesh, we got to understand that we're entertaining that spirit. Because see, the Bible tells us to be careful not to entertain demons and devils. Amen. And we got to understand that when we allow ourselves to partake in those types of jokes and we allow ourselves to laugh and make fun of someone else's culture or ethnicity. That not only are we going against the will of God, not only are we hurting somebody, not only are we offending somebody. But we are feeding that spirit. We are entertaining that spirit, inviting that spirit to stay within our culture. So you want to put an end to racism? Cool, let's do that. But in order for us to do that, we got to detox ourselves from it completely. And the only way to detox ourselves from it completely is to stop entertaining that spirit that is alive and well in our communities. So oftentimes, we feed too much into what the world is producing that we end up becoming just like the people of the world. See, what happens is we talked about that joke, right? You hear that joke, you think it's funny, it, it, it made you laugh. So now what happens is you want to go share that with somebody else. And the person that you share will share that with somebody else. And what happens is it keeps going from point A to point B to point C. So eventually it's going to reach somebody that's going to cause anger. It's going to reach to somebody that's going to cause hurt and offense. What doesn't offend you today may hurt you tomorrow. I say that again. What doesn't offend you today may hurt you tomorrow. We may think it's funny until we see the reality of what is actually going on behind the scenes. My God. So let me ask you, are you entertaining that spirit? Are you entertaining that spirit in your community? Are you entertaining that spirit in your household? Or are you rebuking it? Are you casting it out? My God. As men and women of God, we are called to stand out and to be different, not the same. The Bible says that we are a holy priesthood. We are a holy people. We are a holy nation. We should live as one who has been approved by Christ Jesus. We should live as one who's been approved by God. We can't say that we've been approved by God if we're living continuously in a sinful state. If we're continuously living in a sinful state. My God. So let me ask you, as a man or woman of God, are you standing out or are you blending in? Because if you're blending in, there's something wrong on the inside of you. And you need to let God show you and reveal that to you that it can be made right. That you may stand upright before God and be ready to do his will, and let God use you to bring people closer to himself. Amen. As people of God, we have to speak out against what is wrong and speak up for what is right. See, this is another problem. We don't speak enough. We don't speak enough. We don't speak enough. 
we sit back in the shadows of life and we see everything that goes on and we don't even make the effort to voice the word of God. Not even so much voice our opinion. There's nothing wrong with voicing your opinion. That is your God-given freedom as an American citizen. And I encourage you to do that, but do so peacefully. See, I'm not against protests. I'm against riots. Protests and riots are two different things. You have a voice, use your voice. But use your voice in a godly way. Amen? Don't do as the world does, using somebody's death as an excuse to break the law and do sinful activity. Use someone's wrongful death as an opportunity to share the word of God and let them see what is really going on in the world. The Bible says that you are not at war with flesh and blood, but you are at war with principalities and dark forces that are at work in the heavenly places. Neighbor, you're not at work. Uh, I'm sorry, you're not at war with flesh and blood, but instead you're at war with principalities and spirits that are at work in the heavenly places. So again, hyped up for what? Hyped up for what? Amen. As people of God, we have to speak out. We have to speak out. That doesn't involve cursing. That doesn't involve anger. It just involves the word of God. Whenever I get upset or offended, I open my Bible and I quote scriptures. And that makes everything better. Because see, one thing that we have to realize and acknowledge is that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. My God. So again, I ask you, are you blending in or are you standing out? Are you speaking out or are you just sitting back in the shadows? So you can't be upset. You can't be angry by what you see going on in the world if you're not willing to speak out against it. There is power of life and death in your tongue. You want things to change? Start binding stuff up as you see. Amen. Amen. The world produces hype that discourages people to live righteous, uh, discourages people to live righteously, but encourages them to live sinfully. See, look at what's going on in the world today. Look, look at what's going on in the world today. You got the news that covers the negative, the negativity, right? You got the news that covers the negativity. You got the news that covers the riots. But what about the peaceful protests? You got people, you got the media that streams about the looting. But what about the people of God that are out there praying? That are praying for their communities, that are praying for the nation. What about that? Why can't we televise that for a little bit? Because I'll tell you why. It's a spirit. The enemy doesn't want you to see the peaceful protests. He only wants you to see and be wrapped up in the noise of the violence. And hopes that you yourself will become violent. And for some, this has happened. This has happened for some. But again, hyped up for what? Right? Hyped up for what? See, the hype is real, church. The hype to sin is real. The hype to live ungodly is real. The hype to feed into your negative emotions is real. But I tell you, the word of God is real. And the word of God has power and authority to bring forth life. The word of God has power and authority to bring forth healing and restoration. If we stop getting into what the media is saying, and if we stop getting into what we see and start getting into what the word of God says, then maybe we would see some change in our world. My God. My God, my God, people will do things and say things so much as to offend us, but we should not be quick to let these things get into our hearts. Because see, the Bible also says that we have to guard our heart. Say to your neighbor, neighbor, guard your heart, guard your heart. Don't be, your heart is like a sponge. And whatever you let, your your heart is like a sponge and it is quick to absorb anything that is put in front of it. 
but you got to make sure that you put your heart in the hands of God so that you can filter out anything that is not like God, preventing anything that is not like God from coming on the inside of your heart. Jesus tells us that it's not by what a person eats that defiles them. It's by what is in their hearts. So let me ask you, what is in your heart? See, it's easy when we see things like what happened to George Floyd that we get anger and hatred because that is what our heart has absorbed from that. It's what our heart has absorbed from that. When someone such as a boyfriend or girlfriend is unfaithful to us, we get anger. That absor that's what our heart absorbs from that situation. Whatever situation and circumstances we are in, our heart is absorbent to something. But I tell you that you have the um, authority and you have you have the authority on what your heart absorbs. You have the decision, the ultimate, the final decision to decide what your heart absorbs. You can choose to allow what your what others have done to you to defile you. Or you can choose to let the word of God bless you, empower you, encourage you, and position you in a place where you live righteously and live your life holy before God. I say that to say this. Don't feed into the hype and don't let the hype feed into you. I know what the news is saying. I know what the media is producing. I know. But also know that there are Men and women of God, churches, ministries out in the areas praying for people, praying for the nation, holding prayer gatherings and protests of what has occurred. There are police officers that are right there in agreement with the people that in their communities where they are protesting alongside the protesters all the while doing their jobs and protecting them because they themselves don't agree with what has transpired um, with that officer and that, that young man that lost his life. Don't feed the hype and don't let the hype feed into you. Amen. I say, open up your ears. Open up your ears. Say to your neighbor, neighbor, open your ears. See, it's easy to become deaf to God when we're surrounded by the noise of the world. So many people complain about not being able to hear God. But have we ever stopped to think or even ask ourselves that maybe the reason why we can't hear God is because we are too busy listening to other streams? When you're too busy listening to the media, when you're too busy listening to people complain, when you're too busy feeding into all of that stuff and letting that stuff feed into you, when you're listening to those different streams, this is the reason why you can't hear God. This is the reason why you can't hear God, because you're too busy listening to what the world is saying. God is always speaking, church. God is always speaking. We just have to be willing to listen. Are you willing to listen? Are you willing to take a few minutes out of your day to open up your Bibles and read the word of God and hear what God has to say? If we choose to listen to the world more than we listen to God, we will end up acting and living as a member of this world and not of God. Remember, remember, the Bible says that if we are friends of the world, we are not friends of God. And if we're friends of God, we are not friends of this world. We can't have both. We must choose and decide what we want in our life. Amen. Amen. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. So what happens if I'm not listening to the word of God, but instead I'm listening to the world? It will produce the complete opposite of what the Bible says. So instead of uh, instead of producing faith, if I listen to the world, it's going to produce a lack of faith. My God. Your inability to hear God is not a faith issue. It's an obedience issue. We don't want to hear God because we know God is going to require change. And that's exactly true. Most of the times we don't want to listen to God because we know that God is going to say something to us that's going to require change. We're, God's going to say something to us that's going to require us to let go of something that we're comfortable with. We know that if we listen to God, God is going to say something to us that's going to want 
something to change on the inside of us. And we are timid or we have become afraid to what change, uh, uh, change produces in our life. We don't want change. We want to live the life that we always have lived. But one thing that we will always under, we will not understand is that if you don't live in, if you don't change, if you do not let change come, uh, come to be a part of your life, What's going to end up happening is that you're going to rob yourself of a beautiful opportunity to be blessed, to be at peace, and to live in complete joy. What you perceive to be the will of God in your life is far from the will of God that he has actually set apart for your life. For example, I thought that I was going to be a doctor. I had my heart set on becoming a doctor. But when I came into my relationship with God through Jesus' son, my interest, my perspective, my anointing, my calling changed. It all shifted. I never thought about 20 or 10, uh, 10 years ago, I never thought that I'd be preaching the word of God. I never thought that I would be in ministry. I never thought I would have my own church. I never thought I'd be a pastor or let alone a po an apostle. If you would have told me these things years ago, I would have laughed at you and told you that you were crazy. Amen. But again, it's a, it's not a faith issue. It's an obedience issue because we want to do what we want to do and we don't want to do what God is requiring of us to do. Amen. Through obedience and listening more to God than to the world, we will have more peace in our lives and the noise of the world is not that loud anymore. See, you want to drown out the noise of the world? I tell you the truth. Listen to God. Choose to listen to God more than you listen to your TV. Choose to listen to God more than you do music. Choose to listen to God more than you do comedians. Choose to listen to God more than you listen to any other stream of this life. And you will notice how quickly the noise of the world will become. Amen. Lastly, I say this. Live your life in praise. Say to your neighbor, neighbor, live your life in praise. Live your life in praise praise. And do me a favor, we're going to get into one last scripture. Turn open to the New Testament, the book of Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. Again, that's the book of Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. And the word of God says, uh, let's see, um, through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. So for you, the Christian, you have acknowledged the name of Jesus Christ to have power and authority to be supreme in your life. You've acknowledged that through accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior and proclaiming and professing with your mouth that he died for your sins. On the third day, he raised to life. He ascended into heaven and by professing him and confessing him as your personal Lord and Savior. So for one who is a Christian, for one who has acknowledged Jesus Christ should worship be in a constant state of worship. The Bible says to come into the inner courts with prayers and thanksgiving, ready to worship God. Are you ready to worship God or are you going to let the noise of the world drown out your praise? My God. See, the enemy tries to do everything in his power to hinder God from receiving the praises of his people. Because as the Bible teaches us, the enemy was, was envious towards God. He wanted the praises of, of that God was receiving. He wanted to be praised. And that's exactly what caused him to be cast out of heaven and put into a position that he is in now. So the enemy says, well, if I can't be praised, then I don't want God to be praised either. For the person who has become deaf to, uh, to, uh, deaf to God will come, uh, I'm sorry. For the person who has become spiritually deaf will not be able to praise God for the weight of this life will weigh them down. If you are in a place where you are unable to hear God, you will be weighed down by the pressures of life. Let me ask you, are you that person? Are you that man or woman of God that is so caught up in the noise of the world that you have all of these ungodly emotions and you're feeding out or acting out in these ungodly emotions and you're just sitting there recalling that you can't even hear God in this moment. When was the last time you praised? When was the last time you worshiped outside of church? When was the last time that you got some bad news that you chose not to worry about it? You chose not to stress out about it, but instead you chose to worship and praise 
God in the midst of the situation that you were in? When was the last time that you did that? For the person who has the revelation of Jesus Christ, they will choose to drown out the noise with a melody of praise. See, noise does nothing but give us a headache. Think about when you were a kid, right? I'm pretty sure all of us here at one point or time or another, when we were children, we had that one toy that got on our mom or dad's nerves. I remember I had this one toy. I forget what it was. I think it was like a truck or something. And it always made this annoying sound. And I would always hit the button when I would play with it. And I remember my grandfather and my mom would get so annoyed, so upset. And they would tell me they took the batteries out of it because I kept overplaying with the toy, right? So noise produces headaches. Noise produces headaches. But instead of, instead of getting a headache from the noise of the world, instead of getting a heartache and being weighed down by the noise of the world, let us choose to listen to God and let us choose to praise and worship the Lord. Let us choose to offer God a melody of praise that will bring us peace, that will bring us joy. Amen. For the person who has, uh, I'm sorry, you, your trouble, your adversity, the hell that you are currently facing was designed to shut you up. But just think what power it will have if you choose to praise God despite what you are going through. See, all the stuff that is going on right now in our communities, all the stuff that's going right now in the world, in the nation, all of it was designed to shut you up. But just think how powerful it would be if you voice out the word of God and you choose to listen to what God is saying and you choose to praise and to worship and walk with the Lord directly. How much peace you will be and how much a blessing you will become to others. Amen. Let me ask you, will you allow the enemy to drown out your voice with the noise of the world? Will you allow the enemy to drown out the voice of God with the voice with the noise of the world? Or will you choose to drown out the noise with the voice of God by reading the word of God and having the word of God applied to your life and by offering up a praise regardless of how you may feel in your flesh? Let me let me tell you this before as we as we conclude our message tonight. The praises of God's people has power to it. The praises of God's people has power to it.